0: Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist podcast. There's a lot happening on the 401k front, ESG, MEPS and PEPS, the election, and we asked industry veteran Matt Walnowitz about them all. He recently moved from FI360 to Prime Capital Investment Advisors. Matt, with your background in fiduciary, uh, what's your view of the Department of Labor's ESG rule that was finalized in October?
1: It's a good question, John. It's really timely, too, with... um you know, with, with the state of the election and especially with the Senate races being undecided in Georgia um, and what might happen there, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I've read a lot recently, not only about ESG, but just the, uh, the fate of the DOL fiduciary rule, um, which we know is has been dead and passed away for a few years. But, um, you know, what changes might come with regulation best eye, regulation best interest? Um, but, but if we if we just turn the um, turn back to the question, I kind of feel like a politician, John, with <laughs> that answer. But right. uh, if we if we turn back to the question of ESG, it's it's going to be very interesting. I mean, that's a it's a conversation that is more and more in the forefront of individual investors' minds. And then you look at. My friends at Morningstar, they kind of went all in on it with um, the purchase that they did of sustain, Sustainalytics. But again, I think that that's more aimed at the, at the individual uh, end investor. When I think about the, the plan space and the, and the DC space in particular, there's a lot of interest there. There just aren't a lot of assets. So it'll be interesting to see how in the political climate, um, what ultimately um, really is able to, um, to get passed and, and to ultimately go into law.
0: What's your personal view of ESG, you know, in 401ks and retirement plans? Do you have strong feelings one way or another?
1: You know, I do, John. I, I definitely believe it's it's the right thing to do on a go forward basis. the The challenge that I see, though, is um, especially from a fiduciary standpoint, if you want to put in an ESG strategy, but if it if it's expensive, um, you know, on the upper ends of the expense ratio, or if the performance isn't that well. Um, you know it might be the right thing to do socially but from a from an end investor viewpoint where we know that the average investor hasn't saved enough for retirement and we know that there's a retirement crisis in general for people once they reach the retirement phase um, making a trade-off to to do the right thing environmentally or socially at the risk of lower returns um, you know that that's where that's where i begin to have real questions about it understood what do you think will happen with retirement savings incentives in a biden
0: administration will it be good for 401k's bad no real change
1: you know it, john that that again i mean this is great timely questions man and you're tough i'm i'm glad we're not doing this face to face where they have the camera on me and and i get this worried look on my face you know Again, I think that um, the Biden administration is only one aspect of it. The the other aspect of it is really what can be, um, you know, passed in the law. You know, personally, I'm hopeful that we can go back to some bipartisanship and and we can get things done for the better of the country uh, in general, rather than being so polarized. But in a situation where Congress and um, the White House are under Democratic control, but the Senate's under Republican control. I just don't know how much will ultimately get passed. You know the the idea of um, some of the ideas that Biden has floated about um, the 401k space. They're new, but they're they're kind of scary. Um, so at the end of the day, if there can be greater incentives to have the individual investor save more, anything that we can do in that regard, I'm uh, I'm all in favor of it.
0: Matt, what do you think we should do about retirement income in 401ks? I mean, at this point, especially with low interest rates, what's your view there?
1: Yeah, John, that's a, that's another great question. You know, again, if you think about the situation that we're in where the average investor hasn't saved enough money, they, uh, they don't have a pension anymore, and the fate of Social Security, which, John, that's another interesting topic to consider when you think about uh, a new administration coming in. But, but when, when you look at all those factors, and you know that as people enter the retirement phase, you know, the number one concern for them is, am I gonna outlive my money? You know, I'll never forget when my father retired, it happened just before the, uh, the downturn in 08 and 09, and he was literally panic-stricken. Every single day looking at how the portfolio had taken a beating, even though, um, you know, he was smart enough to have saved enough cash up front that he didn't have to immediately tap into it, his biggest concern wasn't how much more money he could make. It was, will I have enough money? And so we know that participants, that that's one of their biggest concerns as they enter the retirement phase. And let's face it, um, if they're going to go the route of a retail annuity, they can get some certainty. But at the trade-off of some you know, pretty high and excessive fees, I haven't seen that many innovative solutions that are in the DC space where you know, you can get an institutional share class or you can get some real uh, pricing power. So that's one of the I think I feel like that's one of the areas that, um, you know, over the next year or two, there certainly can be some innovation in the D.C. space to figure out how to bring some guaranteed retirement um, income to the end investor.
0: So our friend J.D. Carlson said his head was going to explode over pooled employer plans or PEPs in light of the DOL's recent registration requirements. Matt, what's your view of MAPs and PEPs? And
1: like J.D., should we be wary for any reason? You know, first of all, John, I think the J.D. from the pictures that I've seen, I think he's gone corporate. I, I find it hard to believe that he's wearing a suit and tie every day. Like that it.
0: just, that just totally... on JD.
1: Yep. <laughs> Totally, totally betrays who he is. Um, you know, MEPs and PEPs have gotten a lot of attention, um, and and rightfully so. You know, there's certainly a need in that small plan space for them to get some pricing power or just to even provide retirement savings to um, any of their employees. The challenge there, though, John, and I, I kind of correlate it to um, when the HSAs began to allow investing um, in those solutions The challenge is there's just not a lot of assets um, in that space right now. And so for advisors to really be interested, there has to be um, not significant assets, but there has to be enough assets there for them to really spend their time. If it's a situation where um, some of the bundled providers are going to come in and provide those solutions, while it's better than those uh, firms not being able to have any retirement savings plans it certainly isn't the most effective way. And, and we know that if that happens, um, you know, again, fees are gonna be higher and investment choices are going to be lower. So um maps and peps is certainly something that that's on my radar um over the next 18 months or so. There's there's some firms that are really, really behind them. And like I mentioned earlier, there's others that are interested to see what's gonna happen in that market, but they're not rushing into the space again just due to a lack of assets.
0: Understood. Matt, you recently rocked the industry a bit with your move to Prime Capital Investment Advisors. What was the reason for the move and what will you do there?
1: John, I have to laugh because I rocked the industry because I put on my, my COVID-19. I haven't been uh, getting the exercise that I'm used to getting. <laughs> you know, I had um, I had really enjoyed my time at FI 360. We We accomplished so much. And I'm so proud of not only the community of financial professionals that we built, but really... Um, to me, in many ways, what we did with the firm is really personal to me because I was involved in hiring most of the people that we added to the firm. You know, after we announced the um, the transaction with Broadridge, where Broadridge came in and um, and bought the firm last November, I was really impressed with the people at Broadridge, top to bottom. Um, every single person that I dealt with there was really smart and um, really looking to do the best thing. For their clients so the alignment between fi 360 and broadridge was really really super tight Um, it was really the best outcome for everybody who worked at fi 360 and their clients for me on a personal level though after pouring seven years of my life into that um, and with having a daughter who's a sophomore in college and um, ultimately she'd like to be a financial advisor um, being able to work with Scott Colangelo and Glenn Spencer, Matthew Eichmann and the team over at PrimeCap um, was just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I've known that team of people um, really going back to my days at Morningstar. And at the end of the day, they really have a passion for doing what's right for the end investor. Um, and that's really what motivates me on a daily basis to get up and and get after it. So The combination of being able to work with um, that team of people over there and my daughter ultimately wanting to be a financial advisor, the timing was just right for me to make the move.
0: That is exactly what we needed, Matt. Thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it.
1: Sounds good, John.